Hello and welcome back. I am Vishang and I am 6 years old and maybe you already know that so today I am going to read by the little prince. Okay, so let's get started. Maybe I have already listened to chapter 1 my first drawings. So let's start with the second. Chapter 2 How I Met the Little Prince. So I lived my life alone without anyone that I could really talk to until I had an accident when my plane in the desert of Sahara. Six years ago, something was broken in my engine and as I had with me neither a mechanic nor any passengers, I helped myself to attempt the difficult repairs all alone. It was a question of life or death for me and scarcely enough drinking water to last week. The first night then, I went to sleep on this land a thousand miles away from any human habitation. I was more isolated than a ship, wrecked sailor on raft in the middle of the ocean. Thus you can imagine my amazement at sunrise when I was awakened by an odd little voice. It said, If you would please, if you please, draw me a sheep. What? Draw me a sheep? Jumped to my feet. Completely thunderstruck, I blinked my eyes hard and I looked carefully at all around me. Then I saw a most extraordinary small person who stood there, examining me with great seriousness. Here you may see the best portrait that later I was able to make of him. My drawing is certainly very much less charming than its model that however is my it's not my fault the grown-ups there is courage in my parents career when i was six years old and i never learned to draw anything except both from the outside and both from the inside i stood at this and i'm parenting as well starting out of my head in astonishment remember i had crashed into the hazard a thousand miles away from any inhabited region. I let my little man seem neither to be staying uncertainly and among the sands not to be fainting from fatigue or hunger or thirst or fear. Nothing about him gave any suggestion of a child lost in the middle of the desert, a thousand miles away from any human habitation. When last I was able to see, I said to him, but what are you doing? Yeah. And in answer, he repeated very slowly, as if he was speaking of a matter of great consequence. If you would please draw me a sheep. When the mystery is too overpowering, one of dare not disobey. Absurd as it might seem to me, a thousand miles from any human habitation and in danger of death. I took out my pocket a sheet of paper and my fountain pen. But then I remembered how my studies had been concentrated on geography, history, arithmetic and grammar. I, and I told the little chap a little crusty too that I did not know how to draw. Answered me, that doesn't matter, draw me a sheep. But I had never drawn a sheep. So I drew for him one of the two pictures I had drawn so often was of the boat 
my instructor from the outside and was astounded to hear the little fellow play with it. No, no, no. I don't want an elephant inside a bow constrictor. A bow constrictor is a very dangerous creature and an elephant is very cumbersome. Where I live, everything is very small. What I need is a sheep. Draw me a sheep. So then I made a drawing. He looked at it carefully then he said, No, the sheep is already very sickly. Make me another. So I made another drawing. My friend smiled gently and indulgently. You see yourself, he said, that is not a sheep. This is a ram. It has horns. And then I did my drawing once over once more, but it was rejected too. Just like the others. This one is too old. I want a sheep that will live a long time. By the time my patience was exhausted because I was in a hurry to start taking my engine apart. So I tossed off this drawing and threw out an explanation to me. This is only his box. The sheep you asked for is inside. I was very surprised to see a light break over the face of my young judge. That's exactly the way I wanted it. Do you think of the sheep will have a great deal of grass? Why? Because where I come from, everything is very small. There will be surely enough, be enough grass for him. I said, it is a very small sheep that I have given to you. He bent his head over the drawing. Not so small that, look, just gone to sleep. That's how I made the acquaintance of the little prince. So now, let's move on to Gulliver's Travels Chapter 3. Now, maybe you have already listened to A Voyage Gone Wrong and Lily Port. And so, let's start with the third. Chapter 3, The Search. After I had stretched my muscles and relaxed my body, I wanted to see what my new abode was like. I had to bend down and crane my neck into the four-speed space that I had been given. Though it was small for me, I was happy that I had a place to sleep and I could actually lie down in full length. I was still exploring the insides of my new home when I heard some noise outside. I came out of the house and saw the emperor coming down from the wall where he was standing with his ministers, climbed onto a horse and started coming towards me. The steed was clearly afraid of coming close to me and went back a few steps when it saw me. The emperor, on the other hand, was not scared of me at all. To both of them, it was like a huge mountain, and the horse was naturally scared at the sight of me. And the emperor was trying to control it with his excellent horsemanship. The emperor calmed the horse and tied it at a distance from me. He himself didn't come near me, although I was fastened with a thousand chains. The emperor was seven inches tall, and it seemed to me that he was quite tall compared to the rest of the Lilliputians. I wanted to see his face, and for that I had to sit on my knees on the ground. As I looked at him closely, he looked to me, he looked to me, a man who wanted his middle years 
had a bright and proud face. His robe was simple yet elegantly designed and he wore a crown of gold decorated with precious stones. As he came in nearer, he drew out his diamond-studded sword for his protection as I might harm him in some way. The emperor also declared me filled with wonder. Addressing me, the emperor muttered something unintelligible in his language. I also tried to say something in English, hoping that he would understand, but it was of no use, as we both couldn't make sense of each other's words. Then the emperor clapped his hands, and, uh, and in came a team of people who looked like his advisors. They were also dressed in grand robes, and I took them to be lawyers and priests. Now they addressed me, but the rule was the same. Even when I tried speaking in every language I knew, all the languages, English, Dutch, Spanish, Latin, French, were like Greek to the Lilliputian advisors. I had no choice to but to learn the Lilliputian tongue as early as possible I could. The emperor also had called the royal cooks and butlers for preparing food for me and feeding me. They were all waiting for the emperor's order to start with the work. As the emperor signaled them for food, they brought me 15 carts of meat and bread, one after the other. Then, another five carts carrying many barrels were brought in. The barrels had sweet wine and I gulped everything, emptying the vessels. Then after positioning guards and my sides to save me from the crowd desperate to see me, the emperor left. Many people had gathered around me to take a look at the giant giant creature on their island, but some people in the crowd were not just eager to see me, but also shot at me for just for and me for some fun. I was terrified when an arrow hit near my eye. The guards near me caught the men who were hitting me and tied their hands. And then they pushed their backs with sharp swords to move the troublemakers toward me. The men had trembled with fear coming near me, but I had no alternative. As they reached near me, I caught five of the men and put them into my pocket. The crowd gasped when I heard a silk man by his shirt and started taking him near to my mouth as if to eat him. The man was terrorized and started pleading. The crowd stood there in fear. The next moment itself, I put all the men on the ground and using the knife in my pocket, I cut their ropes, freeing them. All of them ran away as fast as possible to save themselves and I also heard a sigh of relief escape from the crowd. The people in the crowd were happy and satisfied to see my human side. This was an important event in the history of Lilipur. I continued living in my home tied to the temple gate. For some days I slept on the hard stone ground of my new home but I found out that the emperor already asked for a huge bed 
to be made for me to lie in comfortably. It was prepared in some days, but the mattress was still to be made. Many of the Lilliputians came and took measurements for the size of the mattress. Finally, my mattress was made with a thousand of their mattresses. A bare sheet and a blanket to cover me from cold weather were prepared in a similar manner. After some days of staying in the capital city, I was still in the center of action as many people left their work and their families to come and look at me. The emperor asked the secretary of the state to keep a check on who all were coming to see me and even charged a fee for putting me on display. People had to first take permission from the secretary of the kingdom to see me. In the meantime, the emperor was in a fix, thinking about what was to be done with me. He called his most intelligent men and his advisors together for a meeting to find a solution for this big problem that stood before them. I knew all this because I had become good friends with one of the Lilliputians who kept me a priest with all important news. He informed me about everything that was taking place in the royal palace. He told me, Some people are scared of the idea that you might break in the chains and escape. Someone concerned about your food demand as feeding you caused a shortage of food for the people here, so they don't want their people to starve because of you. So, other people think that you should be killed by poisonous arrows, but then they dropped the plan thinking about what would happen to your body, what will happen if your body started decaying and caused an epidemic. I asked them about their final decision regarding me. My friend continued, while all were talking about what was to be done, some officers came forward and told the emperor of their merciful nature when you let the troublemakers go without any harm. The emperor was even more impressed with you and some women said, asked his minister to spread the news in the nearby villages that they needed to come to Paris every day with five oxen, thirty sheep, bread and wine for feeding you. He also promised to pay the villagers from the kingdom's treasure, but from his own money. The king, the king never commands his villagers to work for him. He is really kind. I was full of admiration for such an emperor who was so great and fair. I could never imagine such a king ruling over England, the place where I came from. My friend further told me, the emperor has ordered some 500 men to be near you and is getting some tents set up for them to stay. They are tailors who will take you your measurements and stitch new clothes for you. The emperor, I think, is really concerned about you. My friend was right. After a few days, the emperor sent some of his learned men to teach me the language. And surprisingly, sometimes the emperor would himself come and check on how I was progressing. I quickly learned the new language and finding the right opportunity, I needed 
the I pleaded to the emperor set me free and remove my chains. The emperor's face had an expression hmm, of sympathy and he assured me that when the time was right he would set me free. The emperor then requested me. I wanted to ask you something. In Lilliput we have this law that if someone new enters our land he has to be searched. Yeah, I've been here for some days now and I want to I want that you to be surgeon as well. Everyone would suspect someone as huge as you to be carrying some dangerous instruments. For that reason, I want my men to search your clothes. Whatever will be found will be given back to you when you go from here. I wanted to assure the emperor that I didn't have any weapons with me. I indicated this to him by turning my pockets out telling him that I would never mean any harm. As the emperor to send up some of his men to search my pockets. When his men came, I put them in my shirt pockets and then in my trouser pocket. I didn't let them search and the pocket which had my compass, telescope and glasses as I couldn't afford them to be taken away from me. When the search had finished, the emperor made a list of the things they had found. They wrote in the right pocket of the great man mountain's jacket one huge piece of cloth, a thick board covering a folded bundle of thin mm, white paper filled with black marks and tied with a strong cord were found. The piece of cloth was my handkerchief and the bundle was my journal. The list was showed to me and there was something very queer in the way they wrote on the page. It was very different from how we write on a page. It was not from right to left or left to right or from top to bottom. They wrote starting from one corner of the page to the opposite one coming out in a slanting manner. I started reading the list with some difficulty and the list continued. In the left pocket of his jacket we found a big silver chest which we couldn't take out as it was too heavy. The man mountain took it for us to inspect. He opened it and we stepped into it. As we looked we found ourselves in knee deep white dust which made us sneeze. We found another object which was a kind of instrument with some 25 poles attached to it. They was describing my snuff box and comb. The right pocket of the trouser had a hollow iron tube which was attached to a strong piece of wood. The iron was made in a way that the man mountain could put his finger in the gap and made a clicking sound by pressing it. This was my pistol. In the left pocket of his trouser, we found two flat iron sticks and tiny steel plate seemed to be hidden in each stick. The instruments seemed dangerous to us and upon asking the man mounted, told us that he used to shave and cut his meat using it. They also checked my vest which had two pockets and wrote. Out of one pocket, we found a silver chain with a wonderful round chain at its bottom. 
The engine was partly made of silver and partly some of clear material covered with strange fingers drawn in a circle. A pointed spear like thing slowly moved around the circle continuously making a sound and it seemed alive to us. It might be his god. On asking him, the man mountain told us that the engine was very important for him and useful for for him to determine where he was. The engine was my watch, which I consulted throughout the day. Out of another pocket, he took out a net that looked and opened like a purse, which had many small pieces of some yellow-colored metal, like gold, could be valuable. And his weight, the man mountain wears a belt made of some animal skin and attached to his belt there hung a long sword and a pouch with two separations. On one of them contained small balls of metal and the other contained grain-like particles. The balls were the bullets for my pistol and the particles were the gunpowder. The list ended like this. This is the complete list of whatever was found in the clothes of the Man Mountain. It has been signed and approved by the Man Mountain himself and your majesty on the seventh day of the 18th moon of his highness golden rule. Everything seemed fine to me, but the emperor wanted me to show my sword to him. I took the shining sword out of the sheath, which left the emperor's army terrified. The emperor remained calm and asked me to place the sword on the ground. I followed his orders and kept the weapon on the ground. Then the emperor asked me to show him the pistol and tell him how to operate it. I informed him about to, um, I informed him about how to load the pistol. Then the emperor wanted to know how the weapon worked. I warned him in advance that the pistol would make a loud blasting noise but no one would be hurt. I fired and the people standing on the ground fell from the noise of the shot. They were amazed and scared at the same time. Then the emperor asked me to put the pistol on the ground beside the sword. I handed over to the pouch that contained the bullets and gunpowder to the emperor by placing it on the ground. But I also told him that the gunpowder could be really harmful and if it caught fire, there would be a deadly blast. The emperor assured me that he and his men would take care of my belongings in the best possible way.